Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. <laughs> you got me. You got in first. <laughs> I'm up and ready. Let's do this. Up and ready. You're in your van again. I'm in my van again. Maybe that's what we should call the van. Tim has a name for it, but I can't. I can't remember it because it's really long, and he thinks it's really funny. It's something like <laughs> Evander Holy Holyfield van, or something. I don't know, and I can't do it. I I, I don't get it. Maybe that sounds like a guy funny joke, but we're like, mm-hmm. what? That doesn't make any sense. That's not funny. You think it's funny, but it's not funny. I think he and, and Yuri Oswald came up with it on a bike ride, and they both think it's really funny, and I don't, I don't yeah. get it. I found that sometimes you get on those long bike rides, and then you think things are funny, and they're really not. But they're funny because you've like been riding your bike for so long. That <laughs> you're like, this is kind of funny. No, <laughs> but maybe it's Vanagon. Yeah, I like that. I'm yeah. in the van again. <laughs> van again. There you go. People will be like, that's only funny because you all have done this podcast for like <laughs> Oh, yeah. We, uh, we delivered our, we had to deliver an industrial sewing machine from the leftover from the Moan Standard days. So we uh, brought it up to St. Paul. Um, I'm just, I'm so grateful for this little, this van because it's so it allows us to have a little bit of normalcy with being able to travel like we like to do and be self-contained. So, but it's sad going everywhere. Everybody's in masks and yeah, this is um, the longest I've ever been in Georgia. Wow. But you had an exciting day yesterday in Georgia. 
We did have an exciting day yesterday in Georgia. Actually, we were supposed to record a podcast and several things happened, but then I was like, it's probably good that we didn't because uh, John Lewis's funeral was yesterday. So we had three former presidents wow. and 50 members of the, uh, the, of the Congress here. And so right at three o'clock when the funeral was letting out, there were just helicopters like everywhere. <laughs> and that's when we were supposed to record. So it would have... Um, People say it doesn't mess with your Wi-Fi signal, but it messes with mine. And then it's like the dog's going crazy because helicopters yeah. are slow and they're following, you know, the caravan to the cemetery. And it would have been, <laughs> it would have been more of a disaster than our, the animals in our recordings usually are. Did you get to, I love the animals in our recordings, by the way. I'm just going to say that. So, <laughs> like, that's how you know it's real. That's good because the cat's back this week. Cat is back. Yeah, which I love. But did you did you get to watch any of the service? I haven't seen it yet, and I'm I'm dying to watch Obama's speech at least. I did. I actually I didn't get to watch it live. I had some calls, but I watched uh, a little bit of it later on the um, the news, and it was, you know, his speech. Of course, was Obama always inspiring. Yeah. But, um, I really thought it was nice to see uh, Bush and Clinton there too. You know, just like honoring the legacy of John Lewis and what a legacy too. I mean, yeah. Wow. His whole life, his whole life, he fought for equality. And I, I met him once um, in Atlanta uh, this last week. No, no. So we used to do this uh, fundraiser for this little tiny kids club in East Atlanta. And uh this wasn't even the fundraiser. This was the planning meeting for the fundraiser. We were at like uh, a taco shop in East Atlanta and he came by and he talked wow. to every single person and shook their hand and like nobody important was there. Right. It's just the people planning this little tiny fundraiser. And it was like, we were rock stars and that's what he was known for is just being out in his district and meeting people and talking to people and caring about people. So, you know, the world needs more of that. They do. We do. We definitely do. We need people that are just going to listen and care and, you know, be for people. So, yeah. Yep. I so. think that's uh, and I don't know. I just watched <clears throat> right before we hopped on, I watched that new um, Nike ad. Have you seen that? Oh my gosh. It's so Goodness gracious. Good. That's so powerful. It's so good. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's how I'm going to go into this weekend with a little bit of positivity and a little bit of lift up. Um, so I'm thinking, yeah. you know, I, whenever I'm in those moods, I usually try to spread um, my cheer with big smiles when I see people and I'm realizing I don't get to do that. You know, like, <laughs> it's like, are you smiling behind, I'm smiling behind my mask and <laughs> you know, spreading the love through, through smiling and being gracious with my, just my expressions. And it's, I'm, I'm just thinking about that a lot because I'm very aware um, right now that, that, that that's not happening. Like when I meet people on the street, I really try to make eye contact and, and give a big smile. Um, um, I think Kansans just kind of do that. And we're, it's weird not, not having that little bit of connection. So I've got to figure out a different way to do it. Maybe I just need to start giving a big thumbs up or something. <laughs> You could put lipstick on your mask. Okay. Like it is. Maybe I just get a big smile, like embroidered. Yeah, on it. A smile mask. 
We should do that. I think so. Let's have some girls gone gravel smile masks. And we can <laughs> okay, we'll get right. Like I like this idea. I'm I'm digging on this. It's better than Dan again. If anybody wants to do this, let us know because we're out of time <laughs> to do new things. That would be amazing. And so, um, you know, speaking of people that are uplifting, our host, our guest today. <laughs> she was so fun. I really. <laughs> It was another friend of yours, but I really enjoyed the conversation, um, you know, just all about how she's uh, got into cycling and got into, um, you know, owning a bike shop. So why don't you tell us more? It's another friend of yours, so why don't you tell us more about it? Well, you know, I've met Beth uh, Morford's our guest today, and she owns Frontier Bikes in um, Eudora, Kansas. It's a small little town, and it's a small little shop, but it's woman-owned and woman-run and women mechanics. and um, but she just is, she's just a cheerleader of human beings. Um, and, you know, I think in cycling that you meet people and there's, there's kind of, especially in the gravel community, and I'm sure it's true in others, but there's just this kind of connection that happens and you become kind of fast friends and, and Beth is, Beth falls into that category. And, um, I'm just, she just, she's just inspiring and she's fun to talk to. And, um, she's got lots of, um, good stories and insight and she's a great person to hang out with. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be a fun listen and I'm, I'm glad she joined us. Yeah. She was super fun. Like you said, and I am really excited to share her interview with everyone. We'll go ahead and get on to the show. Hey, Catherine, I'm so excited that Gooders Come On is one of our sponsors. I know we love Gooders sunglasses because they come in so many fun colors and sassy fun names. Like I got Lance's Afternoon Uppers. And I got Rosé Before Brosé. (laughs) They're really fun. And they're also performance sunglasses. So they're no slip, no bounce, and polarized. They start at a ridiculously low price of $25 a pair. (laughs) Which means that Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing. Nothing! Nothing at all! You do not need a discount when you already have the most affordable performance shades on the planet. So go to gooder.com slash feisty and that's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash feisty now. These glasses even look good with mud on them. (laughs) Well, welcome to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. We are so excited to be here for another week. I'm here with Christy. Hello. She wasn't expecting me to say her name. (laughs) That's that's different. What are you doing? I know. I just (laughs) wanted to throw you off because you never will do the intro. Um. We're here with Christy, and we have a special guest from Kansas. We have uh, Beth Morford. And hey, guys. Hi. <laughs> Beth, you're um, in a little town outside of Emporia, or not about an hour, you said, from Emporia? Yeah, so Eudora uh, is about an hour, fifth, hour 10 north of Emporia um, between Lawrence and Kansas City. So not far. It's very easy to get to Emporia from here, down I-35, so close. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you had told us before we hit the record that there is tons and tons and tons of gravel around you, but you didn't tell us how you got into gravel cycling. So I want to hear the story about that. 
Um, I got into gravel cycling uh, when I was introduced to uh, another local bike shop in uh, Lenexa, which is called Velo Plus. Uh, but there's a whole backstory to that as well. Uh, I, my, my stepfather, uh, before he passed away, was big into cycling. And he was a, a road cyclist. He rode a carbon frame trek and he would just go out for hours and hours and he'd come back and, and he would brag about, you know, how great cycling is. And so I went to a used like bike shop and bought like a 1970s hook road bike, a German frame. It was too big for me. I spent lots of years trying to make it fit my body and I couldn't cause you can't do that with frames. <laughs> but um, for the older ones anyway, it was just too big. And so I went, I took it apart. And as I was taking it apart and trying to put it back together to make it fit me, I got mad and I wanted to learn how to wrench on bikes. It inspired me to learn how to fix bikes. And so I went to a couple shops asking if I could apprentice and they said, no, we're good. We don't need, you know, they didn't really want to hassle with it. They didn't want to hassle with teaching someone, you know, unless they were going to be there long-term really, which made sense at the time. I, I just gave them that benefit of the doubt. They really just didn't want to, they just didn't want to deal with apprentice. I don't know, but I, I landed upon um, a bike shop. I landed upon Velo Plus because a, a client of mine, I used to be a sports massage therapist and a client of mine, uh, his name is Jeff McCool. Uh, he was a client at the time, or no, it was Darius Riley. Darius Riley was a client of mine and he said, you got to check out this bike shop. It's coffee, it's beer, and it's bikes. And they have open shop nights. I was like, what is this open shop night? I freaking like, I can go in and I can work on my own bike with their tools. And they're like, yeah. And there's a, there's a mechanic there and they'll teach you while you're standing there. If you have questions. And I was like, this is freaking amazing. So I did, I started going to open shop nights at Vela plus and I liked it so much that I asked Vincent for an apprenticeship and Vincent Rodriguez who, who owned it at the time was elated that a woman would want to work in a shop because he saw the disconnect between female customers and, and the, the mechanics there uh, being men. And he wanted to fill that, he wanted to bridge that gap. And so he was like, if you're here, then more women will come in. And I was like, yeah, let's do it, <laughs> you know? So I, I got started there and of course Velo Plus, and this is where Jeff McCool comes in. Jeff was sort of the head of the gravel team for Velo Plus. And he was sort of the one that was like, yeah, you should really, get into gravel. And so that's when I started riding gravel was 2016. Um, not long ago, but it feels like ages ago. And that's <laughs> it. And so I, they, you know, they sold All City and Surly and a couple other brands. And I, I grabbed a Nature Boy, a steel gravel bike. And then I started hearing about the, the women up in Chicago who were crushing single speeds. And I wanted to be like that. You know, I wanted that. That was just a crowd I was drawn to. They were independent, strong women on one gear, just killing it out on gravel. I was like, those women are badass. And so that's what I want to do. And I did it, I did it up until last year. I mean, I did the last uh, DK race last year. It was, it was a blast. It was a blast. It was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> did it, did it work for Vincent having you in there? Did more women start coming in? Yeah. Three, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we had immediately we had Carmen Hatch come in. She's uh, the the founder, uh, one of the founders of the Casey Lady Dudes Mountain Bike uh, Club. It sort of 
disbanded since then. But at the time she came in, she was like, oh my God, a woman in here, yes. And so open shop night started seeing more women coming in. We were just shooting the shit and um, they'd bring their bikes in and be like, wow, this is awesome. Like, I don't feel so intimidated anymore. And that's when the whole bike shop seed started, you know, mm-hmm. culminating in my mind of I need, to, I need to open a shop where a woman actually owns it. So how, how long did it take you to get comfortable with your mechanic skills? Uh, it took two years. Were you mechanically inclined to begin with, or was it? Uh, no, I've all, my, my background growing up is in, I've always worked with my hands. I, whether it's with clay or, or some Mm -hmm. sort of art, artistic Avenue, uh, sports massage is is a tactile thing. I've always wanted to work with my hands and I, you know, uh, always want to have my hands on something, fixing something, but I've never been mechanical. I, I don't have an engineering background. I don't have, um, any sort of trades background, uh, nothing of, of that sort. It just, I, I like, I'm OCD and I, I have a ten, I like to pay attention to detail of things uh, from start to finish and I like it done right and I like it done um, well. And so taking, having taken my bike to several different places before and it not being done right and being frustrated with that, I just thought I'll just figure it out myself and do it the way I want it done and hopefully it's done right <laughs> but uh yeah always you know the, the my the ideas always stem from I see a problem that I I want done my way and if if I take it to someone and they can't get it done my way then I'll do it myself you know my parents always raise us that way if you if you want it done the way you want it done do it yourself you know so um and then I just saw the looming gap in you know, female representation in the industry. And I was like, oh, I'm used to being a token female in sports massage. I would travel with Team USA and I'd be the token female. And it was a running joke, you know, with USA Swimming, we'd be like, uh, so who's the token female going to world championships? And be like, oh, it's Amy or, you know, oh, it's Kathy or oh, it's Beth this time. You know, we'd be on the staff with five other guys for three weeks and you just learn to hold your own. And so I was like, I'm already trained for this industry. Let's do it. <laughs> So, you had yeah. the leg up. <laughs> had the leg up easily, and it's worked out pretty well, I think. Um, you know, as long as you establish a foothold and set your boundaries, guys are okay. Going strong like that at the beginning. Yeah, like, yeah. Show up hard. Yes. Yeah, you can't be meager at all. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because we actually talked with um, Hannah Grant last week on the podcast, and she's a chef, and she was the first female chef to work on any of the Grand Tours. And she said because she was the first female, she got a lot of attention. So it actually helped build her career because she was just so. And she's like, it was hard. Like I was the only female, and they were not used to that. But it, she just got so much attention because she was kind of like, wait, there's a woman here. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and you know, you have to battle the sexualization. What she said. There's there's always the sexualization of of your existence. You know, men are like, you know, oh, there's a lady, you know, she's cute working on bikes, you know, and you're like, oh my God, another, like just kick rocks, dude. You know, I'm just a person, you're a person, we're all people, we're trying to ride bikes, let's just be cool, you know? So you have that and that's that's always been the case in my my line of my my careers but um 
you just learn to ignore it and you just do your job really well and eventually you build rapport with people and then you have respect that comes from people which takes a little time but as long as you you keep doing a good job and that they, they come around they stop they stop doing that stuff so yeah. So how did you go from your wrenching in the shop to I'm going to open my own uh, bike shop and you're a owned and operated female shop. So tell us, tell us all about that story and then what it's like there. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I met a lady named Julie Petalino. Uh, for those people who don't know Julie Petalino, they should. Uh, Julie is a machining whiz. Uh, she also has a, a fine arts background. She went to art school in Chicago, I believe. And she just uh, came into Bell Plus and took me under her wing. And she was like, you know, you should, you should come work with me. And I was like, what? Yes. And so I did. And I apprenticed under her for nine months leading up to Philly Bike Expo in 2017. And that summer before the expo, I decided to go to frame building school because I was so in, I, I was enamored with building bikes because being a petite rider, um, I could never find, even the smallest bikes didn't fit me right. They're either 43 or 46. There's nothing in between, you know, and, um, Julie had the same, uh, Julie dealt with the same thing being a petite woman herself. She's like, I just want a bike that fits me. And I know there are women out there that need bikes that fit them. And so I went to frame building school and we went to Philly bike expo. And that was the end. I was like, I, I want to be in this industry. Uh, frame building is awesome, but it doesn't pay the bills. And I, I, it doesn't really capture my gifts working with people. I'm outgoing. I like being around people and being cooped up in a frame building shop by myself all day every day seemed depressing <laughs> which it's not for some but for me it didn't it didn't fit and so I thought let's go with the bike shop instead of the frame building business plan and so far so good it's working out pretty well and your shop is frontier bikes yep frontier bikes in Eudora Kansas we only have 1500 square feet half of it is a spin studio which pays the bills in the winter because I saw so many bike shops struggle in the colder months here in, in our region. And so I thought, well, we might as well make money in the, the winter. So I teach spin along with two other instructors and uh, pay the bills in the winter and we go all year. But, um, and then the other half is just 400 square feet of retail and 400 square feet of service. It's very small, but it's, it's smart, I think, and it works really well for the size of our community. How'd you pick Eudora? Just is you live there? I live here. Elsewhere? Yeah, I live here, and also rent is cheap here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be in industrial Kansas City really badly. I wanted to be. I wanted to host tiny bike races in dark alleys. I wanted to have urban rides. I wanted to show women around the city, you know, when, when they, you know, when you don't want to ride with the guys around the city at night, you just want to go with the gals and maybe get a beer and, and see the city lights at night. I kind of wanted to be in the heart of that, but that, that's just not financially doable in this area, not as a new shop anyway. And we saw three Kansas city bike shops close last year. So that, yeah. 
that was affirmation for me that it was a good move to just stay on the outskirts. I'm only 20 minutes away from the city. So um, if people commute from here into the city all the time on bike. So it was just without, just within uh, reach, but not within the, the expensive rent rates. It's probably good that you're in such a small town now, especially. So, yeah, it worked uh, out. So yeah. you, you're in like, you have female staff as well. Was that something you did on purpose or was that just happened because you were a female owner? Do you think that, that just happened? We, I originally hired a guy uh, named Colin and Colin uh, came from Sunflower. Um, he was pretty much out the door, out of town on his way out of Sunflower. He just helped kind of get me open and going. He's had, I don't know, almost two decades of experience working in bike shops. And um, I was in Sunflower one day and he's like, hey, I heard you're opening a shop. Do you need some help? And I was like, I would love that. And so he came on full time and he installed a bunch of fixtures. He built some stuff for me that that I needed two hand, four hands for. And um, he helped me put in, you know, order all the all the tooling, all the things that I would have not have remembered until I would have learned the hard way, you know, which was nice to have him there for. Um, and he was there for just a, a short stint. And then he moved up out of town to um, work for Wheel and Sprocket up in Wisconsin. And then, um, but he said, hey, you know, my, my girlfriend is really skilled and wretch. She worked at, you know, bike shop for 10 years. You should hire her. And I was like, oh, okay. And that's Sarah. Sarah Underwood is um, the other mechanic in our shop. And she has twice the experience in the industry that I have. Um, she works with a lot of race racers. Um, she'll work with a lot of roadies, triathlon, triathletes, all those uh, high-end bikes that are, you know, the carbon, um, internally routed uh, cables, you know, just the nice, neat, tucked bikes that you, you, you're scared to touch. Sarah, I let Sarah touch those because I'm like, I want the dirty, muddy mountain bikes with, you know, suspension and all that. And she'll do that too. I mean, she's, she's great on all bikes, but man, she came in the door and I was like, wow, I lucked out because, uh, there are not a lot of female wrenches around here or anywhere. And for her to have that much experience, I was like, sore. <laughs> So we love Sarah and Sarah's, Sarah's a tough cookie too. She will, she'll tell you like it is. Yeah. Tell it like it is. Yeah. We should have had her join you. She's great. <laughs> I know. She, she has a, a, an adult job. She has a real job, not a bike shop job. <laughs> well, and that's impressive too. Like, yeah, she's, yeah. What kind of nurse is she? Well, she's a surgical nurse. Yeah. Uh, she works in, um, she works through the Lawrence Memorial Health System. She uh, works on the orthopedic surgeries, um, assist doctors. Uh, she's, she's an RN, but she, she's always masked up and covered and stuff and, you know, yeah. doing, doing operations with docs. So she's got a big girl job. Um, <laughs> but I credit, I credit her experience there. Uh, as you know, it plays a big role in her attention to detail at the shop. Oh yeah, for sure. You have to be neat, tidy, clean on your game, you know, and she comes to the shop. She, it, she's the same there. So it's nice. Yeah. Definitely don't want a surgical nurse, like leaving things laying around inside you. <laughs> no. Where did I put that? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Where's that little tiny 
bit that went on that. Where is that? And she's like, oh, it's right here. I'm like, oh yeah, Sarah knows. It's not someone's cavity anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Did you get, um, and I'm curious, cause like, obviously I think the industry is trying to do a, a much better job and is very aware of, of problems with inequity and inclusion and whatnot. How was it when you opened up? Did you get pushback from the industry on being female owned? Did other bike shop owners think you can't do it? You're a female. Did the community come in and support you? Was there any doubt? Was it, or was it pretty much no big deal? No, I was no big deal. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it was, it was like, uh, everyone was waiting for it to happen. It felt like that when we opened, it was just like, our doors were rushed. We had Belljoy group mountain bike riders coming in after their rides. Just, we had a Saturday where the Belljoy girls came in and shopped my shop after a ride. And I had like a $2,500 day in retail, which for a, a retail space is 400 square feet. <laughs> You're like, how did I sell that much stuff? Where did you find that? <laughs> they were so welcoming. They just bum rushed it. And they were, they were, people were asking for you know, open shop nights with, uh, you know, just women's only shop nights, um, uh, FTW shop, every, it, they wanted all the things all at once. And it's almost like I couldn't keep up with the demand for activities. You know, they, they wanted me to lead all the rides and I was leading gravel rides twice a week and I was doing nine spin classes a week and I was doing open shop nights. And so for the first nine months until I started hiring like for spin classes and such like that, I was so burned. I was like, I can't keep up with all these people. This is great. Like, I love it, but I was so tired. And so finally I was like, I'm going to delegate this work to someone else and just relax a little bit. And so, um, no, it's been wonderful. The social media has been good. Um, the community has been good. All of our events are always highly attended. We did, um, my favorite ride is our, our, is our urban ride in Kansas city. There's a, there's a group of cyclists in Kansas city that, always do a nighttime urban ride or they go out and they, they get, you know, they, tr they go out places that you would be scared to ride your bike in, you know, right. but powers, there's power in numbers. And if someone knows where they're going, then, then you trust them and you follow them and it's a lot of fun. But I, some, you know, some of those people, some of the ladies, that's not their group. It's not their thing. They, you know, they don't want to be around the guys. Some of the guys are, yeah. And so I was like, let's just, there are girls, there are women in Kansas city that know the city. And so I, I called up my friend, uh, Melissa Estelle. And I was like, you know, the city, like the back of your hand, let's do these urban rides without the guys. And so she's like, yes. And we had 40 women show up on the first ride last year. Oh my year. gosh. You couldn't believe it. They just came out, they're showing up in droves. We were like, Oh, Hey, Oh, hi. Whoa. Oh, oh, wow. And then we did the second one. It was the same. We, we had so many people show up and like women want to ride their city. They want to ride around. They want to feel like they're breaking the law and doing the things that the guys are doing, you know, and, um, breaking so, the law. <laughs> yeah. They want to trespass. So they want to ride over the train tracks or they want to, you know, they want to, they want to skid around town too. So, that's what we try and provide is that that edgy city urban experience and they just go nuts we just drink beer and ride around and see boulevard brewery and you know it's it's a lot of fun so yeah the demand is there the demand is there for for more um inclusive type events 
So. What would you say to women that listen to this podcast mostly, but um, because I worked at a local bike shop and I think they have so much power to get people involved. Like they can really, Christine, I've talked about this before, like diversity and seeing the starting lines grow with women and more people of color and all kinds of diversity is not going to happen because DK says, here's spots. It's going to happen because people in their local communities get more people on bikes. Right. So what are some tips like for working with a local bike shop? If you're like, I have this shop, in my community, <laughs> like, as you know, a lot of times the owners or the people that work there are super busy. Yes. Bike shop life is busy. So maybe they want to do these things, but they don't have time. How could some of the women in the community create things alongside those shops? Uh, the, just, just doing exactly what you just said is just doing the event and hosting it themselves. Um, shops can, um, assign ambassadors, uh, for their, their rides and that ambassador is in charge of an event, um, put the people in the roles that they want, let them, you know, let them lead the rides, let them lead the wrench classes. You know, your, your head mechanic there may be a guy, but maybe the, this person, um, uh, this other person, this customer wants to be like, Hey, I, I, I know how to fix a flat, but you know, my friends want to learn from me, not from you, but I want to support your shop. So let's host it here, you know, and then they can buy stuff from the shop, but yet I'm here. And, and that's just another point of contact for those people who may have not felt comfortable before to come in then. Uh, and the same, it's the same for rides. Um, you know, you have people come in and you know, they love to ride and they know, you know, they love your shop. And so you give them the opportunity to be that face for that ride. Um, but you have to create the space for the person. You have to be able to, you know, let go of that control and give it over to them so that they feel empowered and they know that, um, they're welcome there because you've given them that opportunity. And then that's just going to spread to all the other people who are, who are participating. So, um, I know that just giving people spots and creating people, you know, creating registrations for women is, is good and it helps, but, um, races are different from shop life. I can't, it's hard to compare the two, you know, when you have they're supportive of each other, you know, they're different, Yeah, they're they're different, but they do. Yeah. I, I think, you know, for, for my shop, um, we have, we have women who come in and they say, I want to, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I say, if you want to do that, I will support you and I'll sit on the sideline and you're in charge uh, of the event and we'll go, you know, we'll go over your plan before you do it and make sure that you have everything you need and that it aligns with our business values and our, our mission here as frontier bikes. And, um, and then you can run with it and they're going to bring customers that we wouldn't have maybe had before or racers or participants. And, um, yeah, it, it works well enough as long as you just invest in those people, yeah. you know, those people that have invested in you, you have to invest back in them. And, and that makes all the difference. Yeah. What have been some of the most popular events that you all have done? Our open shop nights are have always been full houses. Um, and that's been a women only event. Um, women can come and, and Sarah and I've had nights where we just say, you ask us what you want to ask us. We'll 
tell you about it. Uh, we've had not, we've had open shop nights where it's just a repair focused uh, shop night where it's, you know, drivetrain one night or it's breaks another night. Um, things like that, uh, fix a flat or tubeless setups or what have you. Um, so those nights are, were always really popular before COVID hit. Um, we would have, um, gravel rides on Sundays were, we always had 10 to 15 people every, every Sunday for Eudora is really good. Um, we also have popular events where we have the high school cycling club with, um, our teacher sponsor here, Scott Keltner. Uh, we'll have the kids meet at the shop and we'll do uh, bike wash days or bike anatomy 101 with the kids. Um, those are always highly attended because the parents come and they bring their siblings and they all bring their bikes and we just sit out buckets and we, we wash bikes. Um, so the most popular events are either uh, focused on the kids in the community or focused on the women in the community. Um, and that's, that's just the nature of our shop because we're woman owned. I'm a mom and I have teenagers in the community and then I'm also a woman. So it happens to be underserved community in the or communities, which is great. <laughs> so. Uh, that's awesome. I feel like I've had um, the experience with a few bike shops where they're like, Oh no, we'll just do it. I'm like, I think you would actually get more Business. Like you'll make people more loyal and you'll get more business if you teach people how to, if they're still empowered with their bike, because then they're going to use it more and they're going to get more excited about it and they're going to buy more gear, you know, um, especially for women. I think the more confident you feel in your bike and being able to handle whatever comes your way when you're out on the ride, the more you're like, oh, I'm going to ride more. Yeah. Yeah. And, a, and I think a big uh, contributor to us having a uh, high high attendance to our open shop nights is that they're free. Yeah. So you, you have bikes are expensive and a lot of women, um, come in and they're like, I'm glad you didn't charge for it because my bike just cost me $2,000. And you know, and you're like, and granted they'll buy some accessories while they're at class or they'll buy the tools, but they want to buy things that, you know, are going to, make their writing more accessible to them. The knowledge should be free. Um, that's an investment in your community because that's going to make them turn around and come back again and ask your advice. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, we, the only time we charge for a class is if, uh, we have tools that we're going to be giving away with the class, um, that, um, or if it's during, during business hours, um, and we want to shut it down for just a little bit, we'll charge like 20 bucks, you know? So it's never been, and, and we've always told people, if you can't, if you don't want to pay the money, just keep, just come anyway. Like the money's not a big deal, but if you want to throw a 20 in a tip jar, we'll, you know, use it for beer or something. Um, but we try not to charge and we try to make it accessible because, you know, no fees come. Um, we'll even provide pizza you know, that kind of thing. And th they love it. It's been, that's, I mean, that's what got me into a bike shop was that free open shop night and learning how to use tools. And I wouldn't have opened a bike shop without it. So I feel like I owe it to other women to provide the same thing. I think that's, it's just super interesting because I think that's what your local bike shops have over the internet, right? Is growing that community. Yeah. Um, I mean, unfortunately, you kind of have to educate those people too. Like, hey, it, 
it is important that you go ahead and buy your accessories for me and not online so I can keep doing this. Yes. <laughs> you know, because yes. it's, yeah. We've had that here in Emporia where somebody's come in and tried on a pair of shoes and then they can show up at the group ride with them on and you say something and they're like, yeah, I got them, I got them $5 cheaper online. And you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is, you know, we have had, we've had customers buy everything online and had us assemble a frame up build and everything was purchased online and we would run into a part that was either the wrong, was specced wrong for that frame and they had, we'd be like, hey, we'll order you the right part. It, it'll only take two days. We'll get it in. And they would insist on ordering it on the internet, you know, and you're just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, just labor labor has better margins right <laughs> yep it does so, just we just roll with it i'm so curious about your weightlifting yeah yeah i mean you have your spin classes and then following you on instagram i'm like watching you lift weights going we just had um the family you know we had a huge garage sale here for the closing out most standard and all that stuff and had to lift these ridiculously heavy sewing machines <laughs> and my husband finally said, honey, just get out of the way and let Sydney do it. <laughs> You're like, Hey, wait a minute. Okay. Just let me it, was, it was true. And I was like, I have lost so much strength, especially in my upper body. So talk to us about, about uh, the importance of weightlifting. Well, I've always known weightlifting is important because I've worked with Olympic athletes. Um, and all of the Olympic athletes and collegiate athletes have all lifted um, mm -hmm. along with their cardio that they're doing, whether it's swimming or baseball or basketball, they're all lifting, right? Um, I, I started lifting, I stumbled upon uh, a coach named Chris Delasega. He owns Athletic Strength Institute in Lawrence. And Chris is, uh, has that New York, like, no BS mob, you know, like, forget about it kind of, you know, <laughs> demeanor. And uh, I like that because I like someone to yell at me and tell me I suck so that I can get through a lift, you know, and Chris is like that. But I, I stumbled across him, and, it, and it, it's been a good match. That was in 2017, I think. And um, as soon as I met him and started lifting with him, he was like, stop riding your bike so much. He's like, you don't need to ride your bike seven days a week to be a good cyclist. And I was like, what? Because I was riding and riding and riding. And if you look at a photo of me from two years ago, I, I don't even look like the same person because I was so inflamed on my, in my face and in my tissues. Um, I had, you know, midsection tire. I had, you know, I was not healthy and I could not overcome injuries. And Chris finally was like, look, you have got to stop with all the cardio. The endurance stuff is garbage. And I was like, what do you want? <laughs> and so he cut me down. He cut me back to uh, three gravel rides a week under 100 miles each and he would prefer if it, they were under 60 and he was like I don't want you riding more than 120 miles a week he's like and your spin classes you need to hire and cut back on so that's when I started hiring uh, that September of 2018 and immediately within like six months I dropped 15 pounds and 
I also found, I mean, I, I kind of stumbled upon Ashton. I had approached Ashton Lambie at Sunflower mm-hmm. when, when he crossed Kansas. I went in and I was like, you need a body worker. You need someone working on your body. Um, soft tissue is an integral part of your training regimen. Uh, let me do that. I'll provide it for free. Cause I saw the talent and, um, and he was like, Oh yeah, cool. That sounds great. You know, cause he's Ashton. And, uh, yeah. so I would work, he'd ride his bike out to my house. I'd work on him and, or I'd work on him at his house while his wife sat and while Margaret would sit there knitting and we'd just talk and I'd work on him. And we went to, uh, he started seeing Chris and it was when he started seeing Chris that he got that national championship. And I, and then I was really like, there's something to this lifting. And so I just hunkered down. My food has been legit for like two and a half years and my sleep and hydration and my body composition completely changed. And my riding is better. My climbing, my mountain biking is better. I have better stability and balance. I have no more injuries and knock on wood. And, um, and then you, and then just watching Ashton too, he's still on Chris's training program. And I'm like, I'm never going to quit this. It, so there's something about strength as you age. I mean, I'm almost yeah. 40. And so I don't want to go into my forties and fifties weak and feeble. And, you know, cause a lot of changes happen in those two decades. And so I would like to be strong while doing it. So yeah, that's, that's been it. I lift heavy. I eat a lot of protein and vegetables, drink a lot of water, trying to get some sleep. Well, I can. some beer, right? There's beer in there. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of Haribo gummy bears in there too that no one knows about. Maybe they do. <laughs> now they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. but yeah, you know, gelatin's good for your body, right? I think. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I was always like, a, the last seven or eight years, done a ton of strength training and then kind of over the COVIDs. Yeah. Um, I just really got off the kick. Like I, I kind of, I didn't have a gym that I liked anymore and just a long series of things. And so I've been for the last about four weeks doing more strength training and finally getting to the point where I'm like, I don't just have the kettlebell. I have the barbell again. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I feel so much better. Kind of same thing. I went on this hike that I was doing in February and it just felt awful in February. And I was like, I haven't really been doing much cardio and this feels really great <laughs> you yeah. know, because you have the muscles. Yeah, so 100% with you. Everybody yeah. should be doing strength training. Everybody should be lifting weights. And, and I think that there's a misconception about what weightlifting is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, body weight lifts are not, is not weightlifting. Um, you do have to work up and build up to things, but you can still use a barbell. You can still use a trap bar for deadlifts. You can start really light with those pieces of equipment. Um, you know, back extensions are really important to keep a strong low back. Um, you know, a lot of things uh, are are misconstrued as being good when they're not, you know. Um, I get yelled at all the time by Chris about, you know, core workouts. He's like, core workouts aren't really, I mean, you can do a full body workout and still work out your core, you know. And so. Um, oh, yeah. You get under a barbell and you're working your core. Yes. Everything you do. And, and I think it's really like, I love that you had a coach. Cause I do think it's really important, especially if people have never done any kind of strength training to get under a coach because there are so many, you can, you can really hurt yourself. And, yeah. um, just one, not going too heavy too fast. But then the other side of it is like pushing yourself a little bit. Uh, like, like even a, day, a new coach. You need a coach. 
But even today, like, you know, I was like doing some sets and my coach was like, did you take your full two minutes rest between each set? And I was like, no. And she was like, you have to, I want you to do that. Yep. She's right. She's you know, but I was like, you scheduled too much in my program for today. I can't get it all done before I have to leave the gym because of COVID. <laughs> she was like, take out the cardio part of the workout. I was like, okay. <laughs> it's true. It's true. See, that's the thing is I have a lot of, being in the cycling industry, I, I, I know a lot of endurance athletes because cycling, a lot of cycling is endurance sport. And a lot of cyclists don't want to hear that they have to cut back their miles. You know, it's like runners. I mean, I was a runner for years. I did marathons and I was injured all the time. And I never, I was addicted to that, that, that adrenaline of running and, you know, the achievement of it. And that's how I started feeling on a bike too. When I got on a bike, I was like, oh man, I can't believe I did 60 today. You know, I can't believe I did a hundred today, you know? And I had to, I had to completely train myself off of that mindset. Uh, I don't, I like last year's uh, dirty cancer the year before that. I mean, I, I barely trained barely. I did mostly lifting and I did like a long ride a week and I finished, you know, which was great. Um, and I finished not feeling like crap. You know, meanwhile, my husband who was riding 200 miles a week or more, you know, was over here laying on the ground after his hundred, like almost dead. And I was like, let's party, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, trying to to convince all those people I want to refer to Chris for weightlifting to cut back on their miles is almost impossible. It's absolutely, no one wants to hear that. No one wants to hear that they have less time with their baby, you know, on their bike. Their bike is their joy. It's their escape and it's their avenue for relieving stress. Yeah. And you have to cut back on it. But you know, there's, it's, it's a double-edged sword because that, that same machine that you love so much is, is brutalizing your body and you're way more inflamed than you think you are. And uh, that's why you're not losing weight because you're just doing cardio all the time. Yeah. I have this other theory too that um, because you know as women as we start to go into perimenopause and menopause then your bones the osteoporosis and I see so many women that get into their mid to late 40s and they end up with like broken bones and I think it's because all they're doing is cardio yeah I mean obviously anybody can break a bone at any time but our bones get more brittle like you said we're more inflamed and so strength training you know helps keep those bones stronger no I haven't if anybody wants to do a research study on that or has research on that, please send it to me. But that's my theory. <laughs> I could probably find some articles. I know, <laughs> I know some people in the, I know, I know a few people in the, in the yeah. sports medicine industry who could, who could send me on. Yeah. If you could find that for me, that'd be great. No problem. Well, it's <laughs> true. I mean, yeah, I just had noticed like, cause when I kind of committed to the cycling more for my 2018 DK, and cut out so much more of the weightlifting that I had done and being 50, you know, heading towards 52 rapidly, like in the last two years, two and a half years, how much strength I've lost. Like that was the whole thing with Tim telling me, just let Sydney lift that. Cause I was just like, I, I've always been strong. And I was like, I have got to address that. Like I'm, Sounds like Christy needs a coach. I think Christy needs to call Chris. Yeah. He does does distance coaching. I'll have to give him a call. He's good. I see it happening. We'll exchange phone numbers when we finish. (laughs) I think if Christy started weightlifting seriously, like with with someone like Chris, 
I feel like you wouldn't be able to be stopped. <laughs> I mean, you would just be a tornado Christie, like Twister Christie out on the I'd be like, <laughs> I'm borderline there anyway. I don't know if that's a good thing. Like, <laughs> You'd be focused. I feel like it makes you a little more focused. Yeah, yeah. It's a different kind of workout. I really, I did not, when I first started strength training, I did not like it at all, but I really, really enjoy it now. And I'm like, how did I get out of the habit of this? I really enjoy it. And I know, because it was, you know, everything going on and then getting to the place with barbells and all that stuff um, was a little bit more challenging. Well, I did want to ask you, um, this could open a little bit of a hornet's nest, but I know just having worked in a bike shop as a woman, and then also uh, having seen lots of things that women have posted of how they've been treated at a bike shop, like what tips do you have for women if they go into a bike shop and they get treated like crap? And, you know, like I'm in Atlanta, so there's lots of options. You go to one bad bike shop and it's bad and you can go to 10 others, but other places like you don't have that luxury. How, how do you stand up for yourself or know that you're being treated like a, you shouldn't be treated? Gosh. I, I want to speak to that, but I haven't really, um, been treated poorly, uh, or disrespectfully. We've had, occasionally we have, there's a generation of, of gentlemen who are, you know, over 65, 60, 60 years old and older, uh, who come in the shop and they ask where the owner or where the head wrench is, you know, I get that kind of encounter. Um, that treatment where they're like, girl boss, what's that mean? What do you think you know how to run this place? You know, I get those little jokes from from the older gentlemen. Um, but as far as like staff, if you're a, if you're a female customer and and you go into a shop and that's your own, say your only shop is staffed with all guys and you're treated poorly one, I would give them a really bad review. Um, I, I just, you know, I would... I would address it with them face to face and be like, look, I, I, I'm a paying customer here, just like anybody else. I'm going to spend money in your shop. If you don't want me to spend money in your shop, then I'll spend my money somewhere else. If I, if I can, um, I guess we just have the luxury here in Kansas city where we have, you know, a couple shops where there are women working or it's woman owned. And I don't know that I could give advice. It sounds bad, but I'm kind of at a loss. I've, I've always just been sassy and mouthy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if people treat me poorly, if, if people treat me poorly, I'm just going to say that they're being dicks. <laughs> well, I think like that's a part of it is I kind of wanted you to say a little bit of that. Cause I think women just need to stand up for themselves a little bit more. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, if uh, what I have found is that if you can establish uh, your ranking, it's like a, and this is bad, but it's like a, it's like a pack of like wild animals working with guys. And I, I am a mom of boys and I've worked with men my whole life and they're, they're there, they're competitive. They're always jockeying for rankings and, you know, ah, who's the better at this and that. And if you, if you can zing them in the beginning with, you know, your humor and, and, and show them that you, you know, you can zap them back. They're going to give you crap or they're going to insult you. you. Just, I just automatically insult them right back. You know, they're going to slap me with sass and then I'll slap them with sass. And in the end, they're like, Oh, she's tough. She could take it. All right. And then you're sort of like welcomed in a little bit. Um, so you have to be strong. You have to be sassy. You can't let them walk all over you. You just can't. 
because they'll continue to do it and they'll just continue to think that you know you don't know what you're talking about they're not going to give you respect or show you yeah. respect, even though that that should just be something you give people from the start <laughs> what a novel concept <laughs> um but yeah i've just found that i just go in and demand what i want this is what i want i expect you to provide me the same service you provide a man yeah and if they don't no bullshit beth yeah just don't take shit. Women just don't need to take shit. Yeah. I, I found like a lot of people, it helps them too. If they know, like you learn the basics about your bike. Right. So, you know, like these are all the parts. These are the, so it's not like there's that little thingy down there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's why I wanted to work in a bike shop. Why I wanted to apprentice because I didn't want to not, I didn't want to come in without the knowledge I didn't want to ride my bike and start getting into riding bikes with people without knowing things. Cause I don't like feeling dumb or looking dumb. Um, you know, I, I like to at least educate myself, uh, in an, in something that I'm interested in. I don't, I don't want to get into something and not know anything about it. Um, it just makes me feel more comfortable like this, that, that thing I'm interested in is more approachable. Um, so I think women need to start asking more for what they want, saying what they want, saying what they need as a cyclist in the community, what they need from their bike shops, tell the guys at the bike shop that they want to come in and work on their bike sometime too. And they, they want them to teach them, you know, just go in and say what you want. Cause I tell people this all the time. You're not going to get what you want unless you ask. And it, the worst that they can say is no. And then you just go ask somebody else. You know, yep. you have to ask to know the answer. So. That's a really good point. <laughs> it's pretty easy too, but yeah. sometimes it's, it's, it, it can be intimidating. I get that, but it's just a, I think that's kind of the next step for women is that, um, and we've had this conversation on the show before. I, I think that's it is that the next step is that all of the industry is starting to give to make sure that the space is there and that we're providing the opportunity. Now it's on us to make sure we're taking advantage of it and, um, and use and, and taking, taking up that space, like using it, using those opportunities. Yeah. So, you can't ask for it and then not use it. And then not use it. Yep. Absolutely. You can't complain and then complain about not having it and then complain about not doing it. Cause you, you know, it was given to you and you didn't take advantage of it. Exactly. So, um, follow through, you got to follow through with what you asked for, for sure. Well, we need to get together, Beth, in person. Like yes. you're not that far away, so I know. I don't know why we don't. We, I, I need to get you on a mountain bike. More, yeah. It's more. I know this is girls gone gravel. I'm sorry, gravel ladies, but you know, there's girls gone mountain biking too somewhere oh. in there. <laughs> yeah, girls Lots off of road. mountain bike. Girls off girls gone. <laughs> girls gone strong. Although that's already a thing, so we can't steal that. But <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll be uh, hitting you up for some contact information okay sounds good i'll get you in touch all right awesome thanks for having me guys yeah yeah thank you so much absolutely the girls gone gravel podcast is a production of live feisty media subscribe like and comment on your listing platform our producer is taylor mayhem rudolph you can follow us on all of the socials at girls gone gravel or visit our website at girlsgongravel.com.